You're listening to the U.S. Glass Magazine's special daily podcast, Glass Industry Update, The Coronavirus. I'm your podcast moderator, Chris Bunn. This podcast is designed to bring you the latest industry news surrounding the business disruptions in our industry caused by the worldwide pandemic. Be sure to check in daily for a new podcast with the latest updates. And now I'll turn it over to Deb Levy, publisher of U.S. Glass Magazine. Thanks, Chris, and good day, everyone. We're going to be doing something a little bit different today in that I'll be providing our daily update uh, right here now, and then we're going to follow this up with a discussion that we taped a little earlier this week among a number of our editors about the common themes that they've seen covering the COVID crisis across all the different titles that we have. Um, we really enjoy doing it. It's it's already aired on a couple of other of our magazine podcasts and gotten a good response. So uh, we hope it's worthwhile for you to listen to. But before we get to that, let me give you some of the updates on the news in the industry around the COVID crisis. WinTech is operating at full capacity as an essential manufacturing facility, providing products and services to its various partners. If you have a project that requires commercial windows, metal and modular building windows, access doors and panels or louvers, WinTech says it's available to provide quotes and assistance on those projects. Todd Tolson of ProLine Automation Systems reports that his company remains open in order to serve customers in in essential industries. We are still answering the phones and continuing to ship parts and provide remote service support, says Todd. Manufacturing staff has been reduced due to rotation, and most office employees are performing their duties from home. Heather Monroe of Machines and Wheels in High Point, North Carolina, let us know that her company is considered an essential business as well and is fully operational. There are currently no shortages, and most orders can be shipped the same day. Daily operations are running as usual, and someone is available for orders and technical assistance. Glaston of Finland announced that it's completed its negotiations there around temporary layoffs in the company's units in Finland. As a result, Glaston will temporarily lay off all its employees, approximately 180 people, in stages during 2020. Let me just add that the Glaston we know here in the United States is a machinery supplier. In addition, in Finland, it is also a glass fabricator, and while we've yet to confirm this, we believe this announcement is about their processing plants in Finland only. Johnson Chen of Gamco Corporation has notified customers that they should expect delays in the production and delivery of products. Gamco is located in one of the hardest-hit areas of the country, Queens, New York. We sincerely apologize for this, said Chen but interruptions in the supply of raw materials and a temporary reduction in our workforce make it necessary. He suggests that you call or email Gamco for more information on any outstanding orders. And there's also some general news from the federal government. The Small Business Paycheck Protection Loan Program opens today. The program provides small businesses with funds to pay up to eight weeks of payroll costs, including benefits. Funds can also be used to pay interest on mortgages, rent, and utilities. The funds are provided in the form of loans that will be fully forgiven when used for payroll costs, interests on mortgages, rent, and utilities. Loan payments will also be deferred for six months. No collateral or personal guarantees are required. Neither the government nor lenders will charge small businesses any fees. 
Forgiveness is based on the employer maintaining or quickly rehiring employees and maintaining salary levels. Forgiveness will be reduced if full-time headcount declines or if salaries and wages decrease. Starting today, you can apply, small businesses can apply, and a small business is defined as a business with 500 or less employees. Independent contractors and self-employed individuals can also apply, but they are not permitted to start applying until April 10th. And you can apply through any SBA 7A lender or through any FDIC institution. Uh, From what uh, our bankers told us, uh, almost every bank in the country is able to do this. Uh, There are really only some credit unions that you would have to check with to see if they're available or not. So, Uh, you may want to check this out if you're a business with 500 or less employees. And that's the report for today. And now we'll take you over to our editor's discussion. Well, good day, everyone. And welcome to, I usually say the U.S. Glass Magazine podcast, but we're doing something a little differently today. Uh, As you may know, our parent company, KMR, produces a number of different publications and e-newsletters and live events across a whole variety of industries, all connected with glass. So today, uh, what we decided we would would do is ask all of the people who've been involved in our podcast for the last week or so on the COVID-19 virus to come together and just have a chat and see if we have each come up with some common themes or things that we've seen, want to share them with you and and give you their perspective. So I'd like to introduce them to you right now. So first we have Chris Bunn. Chris is our video producer. Chris, how many podcasts uh, did you you produce last week? Uh, I think we recorded nine different podcasts. Okay, great. Well, you'll have a very interesting perspective then. So thanks for joining us. And in addition to Chris, we're pleased to have Tara Taffera. Tara is the editorial director for KMR, meaning she oversees the content of all of our different vehicles, and she also serves as the publisher of Door and Window Market magazine. Uh, Tara is also responsible for Autoglass Repair and Replacement. You know it is AGR magazine and Window Film magazine. So, Tara, welcome. Thank you. Can you tell us which podcast you worked on last week? Yes, I actually was in. The only one I was not involved in, um, but listened to them all, was U.S. Glass. You did a great job there. But I um, hosted one for AGRR, for Window Film, and for DWM. Okay, great. So you really have a very broad perspective like Chris. And we're also pleased to have with us Drew Vass. Drew is the editor of Door and Window Market Magazine. Welcome, Drew. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Deb. Drew, since you were the last one I introduced, I'm going to ask you to be the first one that answers the question, (laughs) if you don't mind. Sure. Um, I just want to get your overall impression of what stood out to you as you were interviewing people last week. Were there any, any things that really stood out to you as common themes? Yeah, you know, and I I don't want this to come across as a negative note, but one thing I picked up on was a a little bit of confusion, you know, in regards to how various companies and parts of our industry, of course, I'm covering the door and window industries, but how they're responding, uh, which companies are shutting down and how they're getting information. So a lot of gray area out there that we're kind of trying to work to clear up, but um, 
that seemed to be common among everyone I talked to, you know, that everyone's just doing what they can, but not 100% positive on any one area. Interesting. Tara, did you have a similar point of view? Um, I think just one thing I even not just in our podcast, but in our stories last week was we did a lot of things around essential employees and who is essential and who is not. Um, and those, I think there still was a little bit of confusion around that. So we tried to, you know, do stories and podcasts and, and clarify that for people. Um, one of the things I saw, I think that on the window film side, um, where they're not as essential as say, you know, residential construction Mm, and mm -hmm. auto because auto glass falls under auto repair. So um, I did find that the window film companies are struggling um, Mm -hmm. to put it mildly. Um, I had, but on the other hand, they're almost the most resilient that I've seen. Like they're, I feel like they're, I've seen them struggle the most from some of the people that I talked to, but really like pulling together and talking to their competitors and just like helping each other and, you know, what they can do to make sure that, you know, their business comes back. So that was kind of one thing that I noticed. Well, that's heartwarming in addition to being helpful to the companies as well. That's pretty neat. Chris, how about you? What did you see? Well, um, one thing that I saw, uh, several times through across all of the, uh, disciplines that we, um, cover, this is actually a good thing overall. Uh, a lot of companies that we talked to were very strongly focused on their employees, um, trying to make sure that they're taken care of, that they are safe. Uh, we had, I don't know how many people we had where the first thing they said was, it's the it's the most important to keep our um, employees safe. And the second most important thing is to keep them employed. So uh, a lot of business owners and managers are very focused on maintaining that um, mm-hmm personnel asset. Mm -hmm. That's a good point. I know for myself, I will feel like this has been a victory if both those things happen. So um, Mm. good insight there, Chris. Uh, um, I'm going to put my own two cents in as well, if you guys don't mind. Um, To Tara's point, I think you're right. Every, everyone we talked to sort of had a similar trajectory, if you will, in that the first few days when this first hit, you know, we had a couple of days right after the NBA shut down and March Madness was canceled and everything was being canceled, where people began to get the sense of what this was going to be like. And and most of the business owners, I think Jeff Franson said this, Chris Fockler, who does an, a really dynamic interview with us on today's U.S. Glass podcast, said the same thing, that they had to take a couple of days to just kind of figure out what is happening. Mm-hmm. What do I need to do? And it's almost like you couldn't communicate anything to employees, vendors, et cetera, until you had a sense of that. Mm-hmm. And then from there, you know, did you feel that way, Tara? Yes. Yes, definitely. And then just to kind of add to that, and then once people are figuring it out, um, one thing that I've found very positive is that I'm really pleased across all of the different um, industries that we cover with all the information that people are putting out. I mean, mm-hmm. they're really trying to keep everybody informed of are they still open, what they're doing. So I think you're right. I think once they figured it out, we're getting, a, I know I got a lot over the weekend in my email. Um, and I've always said through this um, that communication is so important. And I think the companies are doing that. They are communicating to um, everyone, all the industries. 
There's also, I don't, I don't know if you guys picked up on this, but there's this real dichotomy between what they're forced to think about uh, between the short term and the long term. And I can yes. only imagine how difficult that is, you know, but also it seems that with the stimulus bill and how it's aimed at small businesses. And I think I'd, I'd be interested to, to see what you guys think, but I think most of the companies we cover will fall in that small business category in terms of size. I think 500 employees or less is the cutoff. Right. Agree. And, mm-hmm. But they're, they, the way that uh, resources are being aimed are also addressing those separately. You know, you have your, um, your long-term loans that are secured and um, guaranteed or, or whatever. And then you also have your short-term grants and so forth that are aimed at the immediate. But folks are definitely trying to figure that out. What do I do right now and then a few months down the road? Right, because you manage very different ways for each of them sometimes. And it's particularly challenging when you have that overlay on them. I think we saw that. That's a good point, Drew. Chris, did you want to comment on this uh, idea? Uh, that reminds me that um, a few of the people that we talked to also made it a point to say that they uh, reached out to their vendors uh, early on to sort of set the stage for what they what their partners and and vendors could expect from them mm-hmm. um, and to communicate bef- communicate as early and as much as possible to kind of get ahead of any of those uh, problems with capital that they might have. Yeah, that your vendors become even more your partners than they are in regular times and something like this, too, because everybody wants to see you succeed through it. Um, I forget who. I think it was Tara brought up another point that uh, I saw throughout. I'm curious if you did. And that is there was just such confusion in the beginning about who could stay open and who couldn't. And when stay-at-home orders were issued and, you know, we had situations where people would close and then two days later they would either come to realize they could stay open or get exemptions. And there didn't seem to be anywhere to go, um, mm-hmm. even right. for, for us, to find out how's that determined? Who tells you that? It's very fuzzy. Did you guys see the so same true. thing? Definitely. And I think we're still seeing some of that. But there are things that are helping. I actually have something I want to read to you guys on that topic. But you know, they did the Department of Homeland Security, Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency. There's a mouthful. Um, mm-hmm. They did release a 2.0 version of their original guidelines, their guidance on, you know, essential businesses. And hopefully that will help. But I'm, I'm definitely still seeing a lot of confusion over who can be open, who can't. And there's some interpretation involved, unfortunately. And so that's one of the things I wanted to just kind of touch on. You know, I've seen some company statements and releases in which people basically say that. And one example is, um, for instance, Crystal Window and Door Systems released a statement and they say, at this moment, based on our interpretation of the latest Mm -hmm. executive orders, they're, they're remaining open as an essential business and they go on to explain why it's not, you know, perfectly clear. And a lot of people are dealing with that. But Drew, aren't you seeing, I think, and again, there's so much coming through that I don't have, I haven't had a chance to go through all of them, but I feel like we've been getting a lot of um, announcements from door and window manufacturers. And it seems like there's different, people are doing different things there. Some are closing, some are staying open. So that's right. That's right. It's it's still confusing because I'm sure there's manufacturers out there thinking, okay, why are they open? Why are they closed? So it is definitely True. open to interpretation. Yeah. And in you know, place, 
Go, Go ahead, ahead, Drew. Ben. Sorry. I was going to say in places, you know, you based on on the guidelines, if you're a dealer of sorts, you can or or maybe can't stay open. It depends. And then on the manufacturing side, it's the same. You know, it, it can be the opposite where manufacturers have to close down and dealers can continue operating. And you've just got to figure out where you fall in those guidelines. Yeah. And sometimes you don't really have a choice in the matter as much as you would like to, because maybe you would like to stay open, but an essential part of your uh, uh, supply chain mm -hmm. isn't allowed to stay open. And so you run into problems there where maybe your company just doesn't have the resources that it should have to be able to do its job right. and, and vice versa. You can be on the other side. You can be the one who has to, who feels that they have to close down and that will affect other people in your chain. Very good point, Chris. You know, if I were a betting person, I would say that probably within the next two to three years, when those SIC codes that the government goes by are updated, that just about every one of them should or would have some sort of rating as far as essentialness, if you will, um, to them. So people know right off, hey, this is where I start in a crisis like this. And the window foam side, there's definitely a lot of controversy, I guess, is if you will. Some company owners that could stay open um, decided not to for the safety of their employees. Mm -hmm. um, there was one in Georgia, um, but I think it was Georgia. I talked to a whole bunch of um, tenters last week, um, but they, but then the company down the street is open. So, mm. you know, and so then, That's you know, tough. so one person, mm -hmm. one company owner even said, well, now my employees want to go down the street and work for the guy that's open, mm -hmm. you know, but he's looking at the safety of, you know, of his employees. And then I was actually on, I'm in a whole bunch of window film groups on Facebook. Mm -hmm. And I was kind of looking at some of those this weekend. And somebody was saying, saying, why are film companies, why are somebody on some people on here shaming the shops that are staying open? And, you know, so it's just, there's so much going on out there. It's. I think well, you're going to see a lot of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and possibly in the, because I'm seeing that on the door and window side as well. And I'm also uh, seeing a lot of comments where folks are talking about even changing states, you know, going from Michigan to Florida. And it's oh, wow. it makes you wonder if there's an opportunity. I guess there could be an opportunity there if you can go journey where they're fortunately the positive side. We're hearing about companies that are still doing work and installing and so forth. And then we're hearing of those that are basically shut down. So. There's a chance to mix up and, and move around a bit. So I think we will see a lot of it. Right. I think the companies that end up going back to the original, what is the goal? The goal is to keep, yes, keep your family, keep your employees safe and also flatten the infamous curve. Um, mm -hmm. It's If you look through it through that prism, it's, it limits some of the decisions you're going to make to, you know, be certain ones. So. Yeah, I guess it raises that question, too, of how safe is it to move around in that way? Right. You know, is it worth it? I mean, I guess if you have to, you have to maybe, but that's that's an important question. Yeah, very true. One other thing I wanted to ask you all, uh, well, two more questions, if you don't mind. Uh, the first is something that I've seen um, on the architectural glass industry, and I was just wondering if, if you've seen it borne out in some of the other industries we cover. And that is, it seems to me that the closer the company is to the end user, to the consumer, 
for example, the retail architectural shops, uh, the more difficult a time they are having right now. You know, Mm -hmm. the manufacturers, fabricators, it's very challenging, but it's not like a retailer who may or may not be open. And I'm just wondering if that's unique to architectural glass or if you've seen similar things. I think it just, it really changes because I'm still like on the auto glass side, I talked to, well, I talked to Don's Mobile Glass Mm -hmm. last week, their CEO, Mm -hmm. and um, he was talking about how business was still going pretty well. You know, people still Mm -hmm. getting, you know, their auto glass replaced a couple weeks ago. Actually, Drew can add to this, but a couple weeks ago, we talked to dealers, uh, window and door dealers, who some, it was, it was, we posed a question in one of the groups and it was kind of all over the place. Some people were saying they were still really busy, other people saying they're not. So it just really kind of seems to be a mixed bag. And those are all people going right to the, um, right to the consumer. And we found uh, people who are still setting in-home appointments, which... That amazes me. Isn't it? You know, we we tried to find out, you know, we had we had someone on from Pella um, last week and we were trying to find out what's the measure there. Is that happening? And the sense I got is that it's not happening a lot, um, which is understandable, but they're trying to. And then aside from that, using new tools, you know, all of this virtual sales. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. That's interesting. I, I'm amazed that people even are allowing people in their homes, but they right. are. Then Pella is definitely taking a, a good advantage of that, and I, I mean in a business way, not a personal mm-hmm. way. But that, but that also tells you, yeah, it's different in different markets. Right. But it also right. tells you that some homeowners are clearly comfortable with that, mm-hmm. and then some obviously are not. You know, and it's everything on the news of how some people are actually quarantining, some are not. So right. It's good just, point. Yeah. Well, I have enjoyed this very much, and I just have one last question for you all, and it's a question I never thought I would ask because, you know, we all work together, and I know you guys know me, and you know in the course of my long career, I never like to make us part of the story, ever. Uh, it's like a first rule of journalism, right? So I'm going to break that rule today for the first time and ask you each to tell me what some of your challenges have been covering uh, covering this story in the last week or so. So let me start with Tara, if you don't mind. I mean, for me, it's just been really busy from the, you know, cause what we do is cover the news. So just trying to, and I know that everyone's watching the, the major news outlets, but really our job here is to break this down for our readers. So it's, I mean, it's been challenging just from a work perspective of, you know, trying to um, get all this information together and work with our editors and share ideas. I was going to say for me, it's been kind of the inability to home in on things. And I keep saying that I feel so scattered. And I think it's because so much is happening, obviously, and it's coming at you from every angle. There's so many ways that this affects all of us and all of the businesses and industries we cover, you you like, you know, your job as a journalist is to say, okay, what matters most and how do I share that with my readers? And right now, 
there's so much of it and so many angles to tackle this from that I, I feel just incredibly scattered. And then once you do <laughs> select something <laughs> to focus in on, mm-hmm. that thing changes as you're right. covering it. So it, that, I think that's been the toughest part, the moving targets and all of this. I would agree with that. You articulated sure. it very well. <laughs> Chris, how about you? My, I mean, I guess one of my biggest challenges uh, is doing all, a lot of this new stuff from a position where I'm not in my ideal space, I guess. Because mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. we started, we launched uh, several new podcasts last week. Uh, all, all at once with a cobbled together studio in my dining room, um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Op- operating yeah. entirely over, uh, Skype and internet connections. And, um, so, you know, <laughs> it's obvious that that's a, a major challenge. I have something to share there. Actually, Deb, you were talking about how we try to keep ourselves out of these as professionals. Mm-hmm. Right. I listened. I listened to a fair number of podcasts and radio shows and so forth this weekend, and I'm actually alarmed. It's kind of alarming how those hosts are are working more of themselves in, and and a lot of them are talking about what you're talking about, Chris, which is where and how they're doing their work. That was really. It made me feel better because. I'm in a closet right now, and um, that just happens to be the best spot for acoustics. And here I am sure. listening to NPR, and this guy says, well, I'm, I'm under my table with shower right. curtains taped right. around it. Oh, so, my gosh. Yeah. Yep, that's funny. It's been kind of neat to see some of my favorite pundits on TV in their home settings. You know, this morning I was commenting on a New York Times uh, writer who I always have liked. And it's like, oh, I didn't figure him for having abstract art. I was thinking he'd be more like, you know, dark library books. So that's been been kind of a little uh, silver lining there. So, well, I really enjoyed this, guys. I hope you did too. I thank you for your time. I uh, I hope our readers don't mind that we pulled the curtain back a bit, our listeners as well, just to kind of give you a sense of some of the overall themes we've seen and And uh, we are wishing you all well. 